Thank you all for coming and enduring uh, all kinds of things, right? So power going out, the Lord is sovereign over that, but that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. Um, as Garrett mentioned earlier, my name is Josh Hart. I do serve as a pastor here um, at Del Rey. It is not my full-time job, though, so I am a full-time professional nerd. That's my job. I lead a cybersecurity team at Yahoo. Um, anybody do Yahoo Fantasy Sports? Yeah, a couple of, a couple of people. All right. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, so... I, my, it's my hope that as we talk about this, this first talk here being about how we relate to technology, that I'll be able to bring some of my experience to bear on that. But honestly, really what I want us to do is to examine what God's word has to say about how we might interact with technology. Um, and so just a, a few uh, first, uh, first things here. So technology is ubiquitous. It's around us. It's everywhere, Right. Um, we carry it in our pockets. Uh, we see it at school and at home. We see it at, at work. Or um, I was just reading an article the other day about how Toyota is getting data off of cars and sending that somewhere in the cloud. And so even the cars that we drive are connected to the internet. And as Garrett mentioned earlier, there is um, there's this reality that we live in an age where we are more connected today than we ever have been. And that, that train has left the station, and I don't think it's coming back. And so we have to ask the question, how do we relate to technology? We can't escape it. Um, is it good? Is it bad? Um, how, do we, how do we relate to it as Christians? So when, when talking about technology, I think it's important to define what we mean. And so for our purposes tonight, when we talk about technology, what we mean by that um, is anything like a, like a device, like a phone or a tablet or a computer, smart TV, uh, smart home assistant, um, streaming boxes, or, or it could be some of the other applications and services that we use, like social media or texting and instant messaging. Um, that's kind of what we're going we're gonna to talk about. And I, I wanted to read a, a, a passage of Scripture, which I, I want to serve as our launching off point. It's from 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses, verse 31, it says, So whatever you eat, or whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so as we think about how we relate to technology, we want to interact with it and relate with it in a way that glorifies God. And so a um, couple things that, that we're going to talk about tonight and a couple things that we aren't going to talk about tonight. So one of the things that's important for us to remember is that we're probably not going to cover every single question you might have. We're not going to talk about every device, every app, every service, everything that you might have encountered. But what I hope we'll be able to do tonight is kind of lay the groundwork for a framework for you to interact with, with technology. And so to do that, I want us to look at two questions. Number one, how... How, our, how does our relationship with technology either help or hinder our love for God? And then how does our relationship to technology either help or hinder our love for others? So we'll look at our relationship with technology and how it helps or hinders our love for God and our love for others. Um, so as we think about how technology either helps or hinders our ability to love the Lord, uh, we can kind of think about it in two different ways, how we consume technology and then what we do with technology. 
So technology has become a primary means of consuming all kinds of content. Uh, Back in 2010, my family, we decided we were not going to have cable anymore. We were going to be the cord cutters. Um, And we just went to online streaming. So delivery of that kind of stuff came through the internet and through, through technology. So we streamed TV, movies. What about music? Um, how many of you have uh, accounts on music streaming services? Anybody? There you go, right? So music. What about reading? So books. Do we have any Kindle readers out here? There you go, some e-books. I'm going to tell you why paper books are better here in a minute, but we won't get into that right now. But e-books, and then just content in general, news, right? Um, one of the primary places people go for news is, is Twitter. Well, probably not after today. Uh, Twitter's kind of not doing well. Um, but social media and other, other places like that, other outlets like that, often present content to us for, for ingestion. And so we consume all of those things through, um, through those means. And one of the things that we say in our home, my kids are here, they'll, they'll be able to tell you this is true, is as we think about things that we consume, I always tell them everything has a message. So everything that you watch, everything that you read, everything that you listen to, there's a message in it. And so as we consume these things, we have to ask the question, is what we're consuming helping us to love God all the more? Philippians 4.8 tells us this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So the Apostle Paul here is not trying to create some kind of sacred and secular divide, but rather he's laying out a a few categories I think are helpful for us as we consider the kinds of things that we consume. So in our next talk, Garrett's going to talk to us about pornography, right? Pornography, um, it denigrates people and presents them as objects for someone else's pleasure, Okay, well, in reality, each person was created in the image of God to bear God's image and to glorify him. And so in that kind of content, um, pornography robs people of their dignity and it cheapens a great gift that God has given to his people. And so as we think about consuming content, as we consume that kind of content, is that glorifying to God? As we continue to consume that kind of stuff, what's important for us to remember is that what we consume shapes us. It helps to reorient the things that we value. So whether that's pornography, whether that's some other kind of idolization of something that you, that you want, uh, whether that's overly violent things, whatever, whatever that might be for you, as you consume these things, they begin to reorient your heart, reorient your desires. I'll share um, an example. Um, I spent a number of years in in government service uh, in the military. I worked for a military organization at one point um, that also had some government um, civilian uh, folks in leadership. Um, And one of my tasks um, um, at that job was to identify bad guys. That's kind of what I do in the cybersecurity world. I look for bad guys trying to do bad things. I catch them and stop them. And so in the course of one of my investigations, I identified um, that someone had obtained malware from the internet. And so the more I dug, the more I realized that the malware came through a pornographic website. 
that a high-ranking government civilian was looking at. And in fact, he was spending eight hours a day looking at nothing but pornography. How did he end up there? At what point did, did he begin to think that this is, this is where I need to go by consuming that kind of content that reoriented the desires of his heart and it led him to a place that was far from God, but not only that, it affected his career in a very, very pivotal way. So if we continue to consume that kind of content, if we're not careful about the content that we do consume, if we're not looking for things that are honorable and just and pure and lovely, right, we begin to be shaped in ways that are not honoring to God and, and don't show our love for him. And so I know a lot of your students out there and you're hearing this, okay, yes, this is stuff that I, that I need to be on guard against as well, but parents in the room, this is true for us as well. What are we consuming? What are we bringing into our lives through the technology that we, that we have available to us? And what example is that setting for our kids? So how are we helping to set the tone? As Garrett read earlier uh, from Deuteronomy, as a parent, it is, it is our responsibility to help shape our children in a way that, that brings them to know and to love and to fear God. Right? So it's equally important for, for parents and adults in this room to consider the ways that we are consuming content through the technology in our lives. But not only when we consume things, um, does that have to, um, yeah, does that affect how we love the Lord? But what do we do with it, right? One of the things that, that is something that we need to ask ourselves is, has technology become an idol to us? Has it become an idol? Do you find yourself chasing the next cool gadget? When Apple announces that they're going to have a keynote event and they're going to release new things, do you, do you get all fired up about that? you, you got to go see that. Um, see some smiles. Um, I watch those things. There's nothing wrong with watching those things. But anyway, um, what about things that you already have, right? What kind of technology do you own that if you lost it today, that would be really hard on you, that you just couldn't, you couldn't live without it, or you can't imagine what that would be like without it? Um, if your phone fell in the toilet, right, and you couldn't use it, um, how, how, would you, how would you respond to that? Has it become an idol in your life? Is it possible that you've elevated some tech to a place in your life that only God should occupy? Um, one of the things that, that I thought was very interesting is back in 2017 when the iPhone X was released. Does anybody remember how much that thing cost? $1,000. I remember thinking to myself, there is no way people are going to wait in line overnight to pay $1,000 for a thing that's going to live in your pocket that could just fall out and break or... I mentioned earlier, fall in a toilet. I mean, more phones fall in toilets than we like to admit, right? Um, but who's going to pay $1,000 for that? Lines were wrapped around the building on release day for people to get, to get those. Have we elevated technology to a place of idolatry? Parents, how are we helping our students to put idolatry to death in their own life? So what examples do they see in us? Right? Are we, uh, adults in this room, are we idolizing those things in our lives? Now, it could be a device. It could be uh, a social media service. It could, be, um, it could be gaming. It could be whatever it is. 
what is that, what is that pattern that we're setting in front of the young people in our lives? What about our persona online? Do we portray what is true about us or are we carefully curating a particular image that we want people to see? In other words, are we presenting a lie to the world and are we then encouraging students in our lives to do the same? Students, are you tempted to do the same? As you see other people sharing things online, are you tempted to maybe fake reality so people think better of you? There's a... um, there's a podcast, it's called The Recorded Podcast. The Gospel Coalition puts this out. It's a little bit like a long-form investigative journalism. And there was a journalist who had a conversation with a number of young women, um, college-aged women, about the role and effect of Instagram in particular in their life. Um, and there was one young lady, um, well, several of them, um, said that they reported being both jealous of others based on what was projected online through Instagram and at the same time, depressed about their own lives and self-worth. One young woman wanted to be seen as the, as the outdoorsy girl. And so everything that she posted online had to be these really carefully um, set up shots that showed her in the outdoors. And she said she found herself choosing her vacation destinations based on how they were actually going to look on Instagram. Um, And so she found herself like she wanted to project a particular image that was just not true. Is that true of us? And how does that help us to, um, to love the Lord when we're trying to present to the world a lie? Um, I'll keep going. Y'all, I don't have a clock. So if I'm over 20, that's, that's kind of how that is. Um, I'll, I'll try not to go too far. Um, so how does our relationship with technology help or hinder us from loving the Lord, but also how does it help or hinder us from loving others? Uh, one of the things that I and, and many others have noticed is as technology is, is kind of gained ground, is, is gained a, a foothold in the everyday life of most people, is that people tend to be a bit more bold in saying things about people. So what I mean by that is that it's a whole lot easier to talk trash about somebody when you're not staring at them in the face. Right? Just the reality, there's a screen in front of you and a keyboard, or maybe you're at your phone, it gives you a little more boldness to to say things about people um, that are hateful. And so a couple of things I want us to talk about. I want to talk about how we regard one another via our technology as, as, a, as a means of loving others, okay? So two passages of Scripture um, that I want to point out here. First is Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Check, check, check. Whoa, there we go. Can y'all hear me okay? All right. All right, so Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but such, only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And the other one is Colossians 4.6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So think about the ways that we use technology in our lives. Think about the ways that we use it to either talk to or talk about people. When you consider that, ask the question, am I, am I loving my brother or sister well through how I speak to them or speak about them with the technology that I have? Now, it could be something like spreading rumors on social media. It could be snapping a photo of somebody in your friend group. 
at a low moment and then sharing it with some other friends to laugh about it. Um, share a quick experience. Um, I, had to take a, I had to take a class in college on youth ministry. Um, y'all can tell me how well that class paid off at the end of this, but um, one of the assignments that I had to do is I had to, I had to, I had to observe teenagers in their natural habitat is more or less what it was. Um, and so um, as an older person, one of the things that I thought, I said, like, well, I'm just going to go to the mall and follow some kids around, which that, and as I say that out loud, that just sounds super creepy. Um, I know this is not going well. Again, I, you guys are going to give me a D in that class. Anyway, so I followed some, um, I, I followed, I'm going to stop saying that. I observed, I observed a couple of young ladies. Um, there was these two girls who had a phone and they were following this young man around who, who clearly had uh, a mental disability. Uh, he, was, he was walking strange, he was making strange gestures, he was saying strange things. And as they were, they were following him around, I wasn't following them, but as they were following him around, they were recording him on a phone and laughing about it. Now I have no idea what they did with that video after the fact, but I can't imagine that their purposes were pure, their motives were pure in that. Is that kind of attitude true of us? Is that how we use the technology in our lives? One of the, so parents in the room, uh, one of the questions I considered a few years back was, um, you know, I, I was around when Facebook was new. That tells you how old I am. Um, but as my kids were growing up, we took photos of the kids, we shared them with family on Facebook, and we post updates and stuff. And I had to ask myself, is there anything that I've ever said about my kids or a picture that I've posted that when they get a Facebook, if they decide to get a Facebook account when they're old and moved out of the house, if they looked at my Facebook feed, would they see something there that would hurt them or that they'd be embarrassed by? Now, I went back and looked through everything. There was, there was nothing there that I could tell. And some years from now, my kids can go check and, and verify. But, um, but parents, are, have we used these kinds of mediums to, to maybe speak of our children to be funny at their expense? Is there, is there anything that maybe we need to go back and apologize to them for and ask for their forgiveness? It's not just the, the teens and the students in this room that have to think about this, but the adults in the room as well. So maybe not social media, maybe it's texting or instant messaging, whatever it might be. Are you allowing technology to serve as a mechanism for you to allow corrupting talk to come out of your mouth and to, and to, to put down the image of God and man in your, in your brother or sister? Those are things that we need to think about. Another thing um, that helps us to love one another is considering whether or not the technology in our life is allowing us to actually be present. I don't know if this has happened to you before. Maybe you sat down to talk with somebody and you want to have a, uh, an engaging conversation and you look at them and they're staring at a phone. Like, like, am I that boring that you don't want to talk to me? Like, you, you want to check out and look at a phone? Um, or maybe you were the one on the phone, right? And so I say that not to, not to shame anyone. I mean, that's certainly guilty of me as well. Um, I know my kids have had to tell me before, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, you're on the phone. Can you, can you listen to me? Um, my wife will say the same thing. I have to be aware of that. I have, to, I have to be mindful of that. But is the technology in our life allowing us to be present with the people in our lives? And is it showing to them that we actually care 
for them and love them. Now, certainly technology can be used for good ways to be present with people. Um, so here at this church, on occasion, we'll have ministry partners um, on, on the screen, on video, and we'll be able to talk back and forth with them to encourage them. That's a great way. Um, you, can use, um, you can use technology to connect with family members who are far away or text or send an encouraging email or whatever that might be. But at the very least, we have to ask the question, is the technology in our life getting in the way of us loving others by being present? Okay, so I think I may have gone long. Um, I do want to pause and see if anybody's got any questions about anything that we've shared. But at the very least, what I want us to, to, to begin to do is to think about how does the way we use technology help or hinder us from loving God and loving others? Now, certainly there are other questions that we could ask. And as Garrett mentioned, this is, a, this is kind of like a, a beginning, like it's the start of a conversation. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's, we'll pause there um, and see if anybody has any questions. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you do have a question... Um, uh, and and it, may, it may be something like, actually, you're going to talk about that in the third talk, or you're going to yep. hear more about that in the yep, second yep. talk. So if we defer it, and then we don't end up answering it, just be like, yeah, that question I asked you didn't address it. Can we try that again? You can do that one uh, in, sure. uh, in a couple minutes. Uh, but um, I just wanted to say thank you. I thought the um, – uh, I appreciated the, the being present uh, conversation. That is something uh, we we navigate in our family, and uh, I have been – there have been a few, more than enough times, so the kids have been like, hey, can you talk to me? I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. But it is, but I think it, just yeah. even the awareness of that is that we have to be on guard because it is one of the temptations of technology is to make you present everywhere except where you are. To always be connected with what everybody else's life is doing and all the other things. Um, and that's, that's, a real, that's a real temptation. Amen. So that's great. Anybody, um, any question? We'd be helped by, we need to have at least three questions or we won't go on. Um, so we need to, I uh, need some sort of uh, uh, feedback. And I know it may be uh, strange for some of you, maybe you don't, this isn't where you typically come. We don't care. If you're here tonight, we trust God has you here for a reason. So we'd love anybody who has any kind of question or, or something that you think would be profitable reflection. And what's your name? Hi, Jackie. Were you joking about real books being better than ebooks? Or was that a so, so just so we get this on the recording on my phone, the question was um, real books being better than ebooks. Um, so maybe maybe that was a bit a bit opinionated. Um, so real quick, so one of the things that that we've started doing in our family relatively recently is we have something called No Watch Wednesdays. So every Wednesday. After dinner, all the screens go away. Like, we don't take our TV off the wall or whatever, but we, we, we don't turn the TV on. We put the screens away. We don't, we don't use them. And we spend time interacting with one another. Um, and so I think it's amazing. Um, my son loves it. I'm just kidding, man. I'm not going to put you on blast like that. Actually, I did. Um, but one of the things that we found is that when you put the screens away, like that opens the door for really good conversation. And, and often it's not like, you know, we're not like planning things out. Maybe we just play a game or we're kind of doing stuff around the table. Conversations come up. Um, and, and I would just encourage like to the degree that you can put screens away, right? 
I would encourage that. that not, not that we need to be like, we don't need to go and be Amish or Luddites, but at the same time, um, I, so I work in the IT industry. I'm literally in front of a screen all day long. Um, I have a phone in my pocket, which is a screen, and I'm tempted. And when I want to unwind after looking at a screen all day, I'm tempted to go look at a different screen, right? It's different. And so, I don't know, I think there's, I think there's something to that, to reading a book. Um, paper books smell better as well. Um, paper Bibles smell better too, amen? Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I was on the, on the e-books. I have some e-books. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge. Um, you can have e-books too. All right. If I might make a comment, one other thing about like the, the No Screen Wednesday, I, I would encourage you, however you're going to navigate the, the online world, um, I, I actually hope most of you uh, students are, are not on social media, but whenever that door does open, if it does, I highly encourage you to have strategies for detachment from it. Um, so, so for instance, I, I, I'm active on social media, but I, I step away from it probably a total of four, four and a half months of the year, to where I'll step away for three weeks at a time or a couple months at a time, and I'm just, I, log, I give somebody else my password, I let them change it for me, and I can't get on. Um, and I find it to be a really helpful uh, break. And when I enter back in, it is, it's, it's strange how strange it is. Um, you know, I mean, it feels very different. Uh, there's a lot of normalized kind of weirdness that you get caught up in. So I do encourage you to, to be thinking about that same sort of thing if you're into gaming, all that kind of stuff. If you don't have normal breaks worked into your life, I, I think it, that, would, that would highlight an unhealthy relationship. Uh, with, with technology. Okay, yeah, well, actually, we'll talk more about that in the third talk. There he is. All right, that was one question. We need two more. Yes, sir. No, that's a good question. So uh, the question is, um, in case anybody didn't hear, um, how do we think about new technology, the new frontier, things that are coming out, good principles for, for using discernment in that? And so honestly, you know, um, so real quick plug, as everybody walked in, there was a table at the back, and there was a card with a QR code on there. That QR code will take you to a document that I've put together. It has a number of resources on it. Um, so things like articles on how to think through those kinds of things. Um, I'll answer the question. I'm not, I'm not punting. Um, but there's, there's a lot of other really good content out there from folks who have thought about this longer than I have. Um, and then also some, some other things on there, how to secure things and whatnot. But, um, but, but genuinely, you know, as you think about things that are coming, I mean, we can't anticipate what is going to come. So, you know, Meta rebranded to Meta as a bid for being first in the metaverse, right? This idea that the next era of interactive online computing is going to be in this virtual world, which is really funny. Anybody remember Second Life? Anybody remember that? Am I the only one? Yeah, it's really old, right? Um, but it, it feels to me very much like a grown-up Second Life, right? So how do we think about that? There were... Um, 
you know, there were churches that tried to jump on that pretty early and say, hey, we're going to have a metaverse campus that you can be a member of our church. And so I just think, honestly, we need to we need to think biblically about whatever that's going to be. We can't anticipate everything that's going to come out. Um, but as things are 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 coming to our doorstep, we need to ask the question, is this does this actually help me? love the Lord all the more? Does this help me to be present in my life and in my family? Does, is this kind of technology helping me to exercise wisdom? Um, how does this help me to be present in the lives of others? We, we were created to be in community with one another. I mean, look, we're, we're gathered together right now on a Friday night. There's probably a million other things we could be doing tonight, but here we are, gathered together in this place. God has created us to be in community with one another. So I would ask just the question about that, like, how does this help me to be in community with one? Is this something that I should receive or reject? Um, is it outright sinful, right? Some technology is definitely going to be outright sinful, um, and, and we see that. We may not know that necessarily um, with, with that kind of technology, and I don't know if we can, um, yeah. So I would just say those kinds of principles, those are, those are ways that I would um, engage new technology and things that are coming out. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. Okay, that's good. That's two questions. I'd like to see a teenager ask a question. A, a, good, a good question, too. Or an almost teenager. Any an almost teenager, that's right. A non-adult. <laughs> oh, I have no idea how patient I am. Yes. What's your question, sir? How do we think about teenagers How do we think about teenagers with, with iPhones um, and Android phones, too? Android folks up there, there may be one or two, right? I know, I know, I know. It's, it's okay. Show grace, show grace. Um, uh, the group, blue bubbles. Real quick, my mom had an Android phone for a while, and then she texted me, and her bubble was blue. I was like, oh, mom got an iPhone. She did. She totally got an iPhone. So how do we think about kids in iPhones, kids in smartphones? Um, that's a really good question. My son asked that question, so I don't know if that's a setup or not, but um, <laughs> I am being set up. Um, the way that we think about that in our home, I'll speak from that perspective, um, the smartphone has more power and more technology on it than what we sent into space with the Apollo 13, okay? Now, I'm comparing apples to oranges, right? The iPhone can't withstand all kinds of things that the Apollo 13 could, but the, the point being is it's a very powerful device. It is an always connected, always on uh, window into the internet. Um, and I, I think that, that, you know, that's gonna vary from family to family. So the way we think about it is we have a smartphone that our kids can use in the home or if they need to, if, you know, if Jacob's going to cross country practice on his own, if he's riding his bike, he takes it. Um, if my daughter's out on a bike ride, she takes it. So if they need to call for help, they can do that. Um, there's good reasons for that. But I, I would say that, you know, um, teenagers just, y'all can stone me for this if you want to, but teenagers just running amok with a smartphone is probably not a wise idea. Um, I, Garrett's going to get into a lot of things that I'm... Take the probably off of it. Yeah, it's a bad idea. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I, feel, I feel seen. Um, 
That's not to say that some teenagers don't uh, or wouldn't display the kind of responsibility uh, to, to handle that well, but as an adult, I know what the temptations are for me to have an always connected phone that I can take anywhere. I remember the days of the computer early on when I was, when I was young, we had a big clunky desktop that sat in the living room where everybody and my grandma could see what we were doing, right? You couldn't just take that behind closed doors. You couldn't take that out into the woods to do whatever you wanted to do. You couldn't hide your communication very well, right? So it, it's a, it's a, there, there are just certain things that we need to consider as we think about handing smartphones, handing smartphones to kids. So.